Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside my good friend from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, for today's episode that is brought to you by Mikulov Ultra, Ultra, 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week. That's going to be coming up later in the episode. And Justin, I I titled this episode, A Week is a Long Time in Basketball, and it felt appropriate that we were back here doing the locker room podcast here doing the locker room today, podcast prior to game five. Because last time we did a locker room podcast, the Bucks were down two zero. And we were just trying to scrap and find any possible ways, any possible scenarios that could lead to the Bucks getting back in this series. Um Yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it of what a difference a week makes. <laughs> um I mean, even if we, not even a week, if we go back to Thursday, I mean, you won a game and you have to, as as we heard from all the players, you can't even the series in one night. So you have to just get on the board with one and go from there. But I mean, even with the game three win, you at least felt better that the Bucks were on the board, but there wasn't a whole lot to take confidence from after that game. So as we look in the lead up to game Five here, and it feels like this game is really sneaking up on us because we had the two days off before game three and game four. Now we're already under 24 hours until tip in game five at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, that tip in New York, in Brooklyn. And the injury report for anyone that hasn't caught up with it, James Harden and Kyrie Irving are both officially listed as out for this game five. I think the the news we got or the the reports we got out of the Brooklyn locker room last night after the game suggested this was probably going to be the case. But nonetheless, both Irving and Harden out for game five is significant. Before we get into this series a little bit more, though, I have to ask you a very serious question. I'm trying to record the post-game podcast last night. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I'm seeing the fire alarms. I'm seeing these people being evacuated. What the hell happened at Fiserv Forum after that game finished yesterday? <laughs> so um, we're not really sure, at least. So I've heard a couple of, of different things from uh, from people that are working um, in the offices there. And all we know is there was, I think it was a small explosion in the office area where, from what I have been told, it sounds like a pipe burst. So um, all of a sudden, we're in the middle of the post game. And you can see the ribbons around the, the video ribbons around the, the arena fire uh, and the fire alarm. And it says fire alarm. And you can hear a fire alarm going off. But Bobby Portis and a few other Bucks players are on the court shooting. And nobody's really doing anything. Where the first thing that we all assumed was maybe there was a fan that maybe had a little too much and pulled <laughs> the fire alarm. So 
that's what we were left to assume. And after a couple of minutes of that, all of a sudden, uh, the players leave the court. Everybody that was near the court starts to leave the court. And then I see a police officer walking up those steps towards the radio booth very fast and giving us the rapid up sign with his arms and yelling, you got to go. And a couple of seconds later, some Bucks personnel come in there and say, yeah, there's actually a fire here. So we have to evacuate immediately. So it was about 15 or 20 minutes that we were all outside, outside the arena before we got the all clear to leave. But it went from all right, this is clearly not an actual fire to then them evacuating us. And as soon as we left the booth too, you could smell there was definitely a fire here and something happened. So it was an interesting 20 to 30 minutes or so yesterday, just after the game ended. So my first thoughts when all this was going down was, if this is a serious fire and something happens to Fiserv Forum and game six can't be played at Fiserv, it would have to be played at the Mecca, which then, of course, my first thought was, well, even if Kyrie Irving's ankle is fine, he's not going to want to play on that dusty-ass floor, so he would not actually show up for Game 6. So that was my first thought. So if the game was played at the Mecca, Kyrie Irving obviously would not play. He would not want to play on a floor that is 40 years old. Hopefully um, everyone remembers that absolutely ridiculous media session that he had prior to that game when he was playing for the Celtics a couple of years ago. But on to this Game 5, and... Zach Logan's in the chat, and he says he's really curious to see how this next game is going to be officiated. I think this is clearly going to be a talking point going in. There's no doubt that Steve Nash, with his post-game comments about P.J. Tucker's defense being uh, borderline non-basketball or whatever it was he said, (laughs) clearly I think we all expect, we've all watched Bucks basketball for long enough, we've watched the NBA for long enough, I think everyone expects that P.J. Tucker is going to be on the bench with two fouls within the first four minutes of this game. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I think we're all kind of trained to assume. And as, as soon as you saw the Steve Nash comments, you knew, okay, this, so this is what's happening. Um, just the overall situation, though, I don't know if it's just you know, growing up in the area and, and being a Bucks fan – um, for my entire life and getting used to disappointment and not just bucks. I mean, that extends to all Wisconsin sports. But as soon as you saw the Kyrie thing, um, part of you sees that injury and thinks there's no way he's playing in game five. And there's probably a good chance he's not playing for the rest of the series. The way that Steve Nash uh, answered about James Harden before the game yesterday too. I don't know if you were on his pregame zoom. Um, but he made it seem, without saying it, that we're probably not going to see James Harden either. So as soon as you see those two things start to happen, you start thinking, holy cow, this is just the one guy that the Bucks are going to have to contend with. So even if it is, hey, we're going to start to make these calls on P.J. Tucker, and Kevin Durant is going to have a much easier time. But if it's just Kevin Durant and then you need a big game from Joe Harris, suddenly I feel a whole lot better but then your mind kind of wanders back to I've seen a lot of things like this happen before. So let's slow down here because before you know it, James Harden's going to be back or Kyrie makes a a miraculous recovery. So I'm still in that spot where I feel like we should feel very good, but I'm still not sure how to feel about this series moving forward. Yeah. And I think what we've seen over the course of the first two games in this series and Sam uh, mentions this in the chat, he says, it felt like the Nets had more hustle in game one and two. Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, uh, Mike James, Claxton were getting after it. And that, 
I think that's kind of right. And I think that's why I've, and I mentioned this on the post-game pod yesterday, I've been a little bit surprised that Pat Connaughton hasn't played more minutes because I think we saw yesterday that he is one of those guys that is able to hit the glass and come up with deflections and steals. And I do think they've really missed that with Dante DiVincenzo. The other guy I want to give some credit to, and I don't think that you can really play him a lot more. So I, I don't think that this is necessarily a rotation issue. But Bobby Portis has provided defensive energy. And I, I, I just think he deserves credit. I mean, we spoke about it all season long. He's been a guy that when the Bucks signed him was very maligned on the defensive end. I, I think it, there's been multiple occasions in this series, particularly in the last two games when the Bucks have been at home, where you really feel when your role players have impacts in the game, whether it was a block shot or a steal or just a, just just hustling, just grabbing the rebound. I think Bobby Portis has been pretty good as well. Yeah, I thought for sure you were going to say Elijah Burke, but um, yeah, Bobby Portis has he's, he's he hasn't killed you, and I, I'm with you where he's probably at the max for minutes that you can play him in the series. Now that 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 changes a little bit, I guess potentially with the Nets losing that firepower offensively, that you feel like okay, now we can kind of pick our matchups with him a little bit more and, and feature him a little more, especially if they decided to just throw more length and more mobility at Kevin Durant. And that means more minutes for Bobby Portis playing with PJ and Giannis. But he's he's exceeded my expectations, as, as we've talked about all season, on the defensive end. And it's not to say he's a great defender, but I think we all kind of assumed, okay, this is a guy that's just going to score and doesn't play defense. And that just hasn't been the case. And, um, you know, I, I think the other thing, too, I'm with you, where I think it was after the game four that you did with Frank on the pod where you had talked about P.J. Tucker. And I have the same thought as you of, you know, after the first game and the first two games especially, I just don't think you should continue to start him. And I was in favor of Pat Connaughton. But these two games have shown you, yeah, you know, you do have to continue to start him. And just if he fouls out or gets into foul trouble, then that's what you're going to have to live with. But seeing how much of an agitator he has been on Kevin Durant, that right there just shows you, yeah, he has to stay in the starting lineup. So credit to Bud for sticking with it. I think the block that P.J. Tucker had on Kevin Durant where he was actually called for a foul, but it looked like a pretty good block, might be one of the most impossible plays I've ever seen in my life. For P.J. Tucker to actually get that high to block a Kevin Durant jump shot is just absolutely absurd because we've seen Giannis do it. We seen Middleton do it yesterday, actually. But well, we we saw Pat do it too. To me, that was right, a surprising right. one. Well, he can jump though. You know, PJ Tucker is like a little bit surprising when he gets up that yeah. high. But it's a good uh, good segue into the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Uh, there was a comment in the chat. I would scroll back, but it was said that uh, I think it was Justin Sion said that uh, his vote would be for PJ Tucker. Uh, that's good enough for me. PJ Tucker is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. He's as you said, his impact defensively and really just his fight, his determination. And I had someone on Twitter comment to me and say, when I mentioned the fight and determination, saying, I think that's a bit disrespectful to the skill that he's putting out on the floor defensively. Okay, first of all, we don't need to nitpick every single comment that comes on on Twitter. But no, it's not disrespectful to the skill defensively because we saw in game one and game two that I thought the skill defensively from P.J. Tucker was was fine. It was perfect. The, it wasn't a knock on him that I thought that he, he was really struggling against Durant. It wasn't criticizing P.J. at all. Kevin Durant is just absolutely impossible to stop. But what we've seen, with the benefit of being able to play with a little bit more physicality, 
PJ Tucker is just willing to fight harder than any other guy that I think on the roster would with Kevin Durant. I, I think that's clear. He's not afraid of picking up those fouls. He's, he's willing to push the limits. So PJ Tucker, for mine, uh, it's it's not a knock on him. It's an absolute compliment. And he is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. On the road to the finals, our playoff coverage is brought to you by Mikola Bolcher with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Uh, we should mention this too. Some other news today that came through just a couple of hours ago. Giannis and Drew Holiday, first team all defense. Any surprises there? Um, I guess I was – it's not a shock, but I guess I was mildly surprised that Drew – made the first team um, because that's only happened, I think once in his career that he's gotten that honor. And it it feels like it was just kind of a culmination of everything where he is finally on a team that's winning to the level of the bucks are and and a team that could win a championship. And uh, it's been a year plus of all these players and his peers saying, yeah, he's the most underrated player in the league that it seems like this is finally, okay, here's your reward for a career of doing this. Um, so I was mildly surprised. I wasn't shocked, but that was the more surprising one to me than Giannis was. Were you surprised that Brooke Lopez didn't get a vote at all? Not really. Uh, I yeah. feel like kind of what we said for, for Drew, I feel like that's what Brooke got last year, where it was, okay, here's your recognition for what you're doing, and maybe you'll you'll be in the mix going forward, but we're just giving you this one reward now to make sure you get it. So let's stick with Drew Holiday here. Brendan Sweeney in the chat says, do you think it's an easier matchup for Drew on D? Oh, do you think the easier matchup for Drew on defense will help his offensive game? Of course, referring to Kyrie Irving being out. I thought we saw Drew be more aggressive offensively in the second half yesterday. Um, Yes, when when Kyrie Irving went down. So I think it's a valid point. I think it's easy to overlook the defensive effort that's required for a guy like Drew Holiday when you look offensively. But... I was talking to someone yesterday, and they asked me about Drew Holiday. And listen, we were pretty big on it. Right up through the playoffs and through the Miami series, Drew Holiday is the reason why you've got – you think that the ceiling is elevated for this Bucks team in the postseason. And let's be real. I mean, you look at the numbers right now in this series. 13.3 points, 39% from the field, 30% from the free throw uh, – 30% from the three-point line and 33% from the free throw line. Uh, he's only averaging five assists. This it hasn't been a good series for him offensively, and I and you know it's kind of remarkable to me that this guy consistently and and always avoids any type of criticism. It's actually quite shocking to me when you look at the way that some of the other players are spoken about or criticised when they have the slight slightest down game. I'm looking at Chris Middleton in particular here. So when I was having the conversation with a friend yesterday, I said, "Listen, if Drew Holiday shows up, this series is done." Because they've got really nothing out of him to this point. If he shows up with Chris and Giannis, I don't think there's any way that Brooklyn can match the firepower that the Bucs are going to have now, considering the circumstances in Game 5, I should say. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's the same feeling I have. And I, I, um, I think, you know, along with his offense and how we saw it get better as the game went on, um, he didn't have, as you touched on, he hasn't, had a great series overall, but he did not have a good game one, especially. And you think back to some of those minutes where Mike James was in there and Drew Holiday was matched up on him, and James was 
uh, able to get whatever he wanted. And it was the Bucks defense that just looked out of sorts and confused. And Mike James was hitting big shots. Everybody was having a big game. And you go back to game four, and that's the other thing is – you didn't notice Mike James down the stretch and in the second half in that game because you know Drew Holiday wasn't bouncing around from guy to guy and on Kyrie Irving and then drawing matchups with Mike James that he was knowing Kyrie's not coming back. So these are the guys that I have and was able to defend them much more effectively. So I think his offense, you know, you would assume is certainly going to take a step up now that he doesn't have to worry about that. And even the role players that Brooklyn have which were able to get those big games that we talked about in game one, that now you need it without the supplement of the stars around them, which is going to make it much more difficult that uh, guys like Blake Griffin and Mike James and even Joe Harris that had some big games early in the series. Now Brooklyn absolutely needs that. And it's easier to get that going when you're the fourth option and when you're kind of the forgotten guy and you're spending so much time focusing on Kyrie and KD, but now that the Bucks can basically key in on Kevin Durant and say, oh yeah, there's these guys too. I mean, I, I look for Drew Holiday to be the biggest beneficiary of that on both ends of the court. I would agree with that. I want to get back to a comment we had in the chat from Carson a few minutes ago, so I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But as I was going through the numbers this morning, and I was trying to see if there was anything that any trends or anything with rotations, it's kind of difficult now. And, and look, the starters are playing big minutes. I mean, there's been a couple of blowouts that bring it down, but Drew and Chris up over 38 minutes, Giannis 36. And we know in the game that was actually close, uh, those minutes were significantly higher than that. But I think with Giannis, it's interesting because particularly with Frank, and we know there's probably no one that marks Giannis harder than Frank. I, I think that that's fair to say. But just looking at the numbers, it is hilarious to me that we can be so critical. If critical is the right word, I don't know. We can we can sort of look at his game and, and nitpick and say, okay, this is what we want. This is what we need from Giannis. This is what we would like to see more of. And then you still look at the numbers, and he's averaging 29.8 points, 12 rebounds, a block a game. He's 64% from two. I mean, really, yes, the threes. Cut down on three, sure. Free throws, obviously, are a a huge concern right now. He's at 37% for the series, and we know that there's all sorts of shit going on there at the free throw line. But but basically, 30-12 and a block on 64% from two-point range. What are we doing? Why are we always looking for ways for this guy to be better? He's having a big series, no doubt about it. And if this was the NBA Finals... He would be by far and away the, the finals MVP if the Bucks went on to win. Yeah, and I think um, you can look at the glass half full or half empty. And I think the encouraging thing, because, uh, look, let's be clear. And, and the one thing that we uh, we haven't touched on yet uh, is, look, if the Bucks get past the Nets, there is going to be a narrative that develops that, well, yeah, the Bucks great. They beat the Nets where two of their three stars were out and – it doesn't mean as much, but still, you still have to get past Kevin Durant and not to start the discussion because we're a long ways from there, but it's still a difficult path to go through Miami and Kevin Durant and presumably Philadelphia and then the West. So uh, I think the encouraging thing is because uh, I've already seen people say, well, I'm not too encouraged by what the Bucks have done in this series. So I don't know that I would pick them if they do get out of it is you still have to get out of the series, number one, but Giannis has not played good in this series. It just has not played well. It has not been a good series for him. And he's still putting up those numbers that you pointed to. 
And to me, the fact that he's able to get his offense when he's not playing well and just still find ways to score, that's what the all-time greats do. And think about Kevin Durant, too, where I know it's a much different style, but we talk about Kevin Durant really struggled in the last two games of this series especially, but he's still around 30 points, kind of doing the same thing as Giannis. And outside of some murmurs after game four, nobody's making that comparison with Kevin Durant of, man, he's got to do more. So to me, that's the encouraging part, that he has not looked good in this series, but it feels like he's going to start to turn it around here. And especially if they can get past the Brooklyn Nets, that it's a Philadelphia matchup where we've seen him have a lot of comfort. Again, we assume Philadelphia. That to me, that's the biggest positive sign is, you're able to win this series, and granted, you got some help, but you're able to win it when really Chris Middleton was your only consistent offensive weapon outside of game one in this series. Uh, just as you mentioned that, Atlanta have taken the lead in the fourth quarter over Philadelphia. They're trying to tie that series up at 2-2. Justin Cyan says it reminds me of LeBron early in his career in the playoffs. I mean, to me, it, it really just is a, another indicator of how hard we mark these young players. I mean, Giannis is 26. Uh, everyone expects that you got to, you should be able to figure it out. You should be able to figure it all out immediately and become a champion, which we know historically that's not really how it all works out. Uh, like I said, I want to get to some bud stuff after a few messages here, but make sure if you want to speak, if you want to ask a question, you can request to speak and we'll get you on. But first, betonline.ag, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. although it's a little bit hard to focus on baseball right now, guys. Let's be honest, with the NBA playoffs on, but you can get all the odds, news, and info for MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC, MMA as well. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as the team's prep for the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, and then if you need anything car-related, jump across to our friends at rockauto.com. They've been sponsors of the show for a long time, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is the best thing about it. It's really, really easy. If you are a car expert, like I'm certainly not, you can jump on there and you can easily search for all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck just right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, let's keep it rolling here. Brendan Sweeney says, Every NBA Finals recently has had other teams hurt on the way to championship. Lakers, no Goran or Bam. Toronto, no Clay or Durant. People forget that narrative fast. I mean, I mean to me, I, I just couldn't give a shit. I mean, it, we, we, we speak about it all the time, that luck is a huge aspect of winning the title. I mean, it's just a fact. And I saw an article from... Uh, Windy Brian Windhorst, and I, I was just curious to read it because I, I'm certainly interested in what the narrative is from you know ESPN and these types of uh, you know outlets that would probably prefer Brooklyn with all the stars to be in the NBA Finals. And credit to Windy, he mentioned and said, "Listen, last year the Bucks lost Giannis, and he did say, look, the series was in dire straits at the time. It absolutely was, and we know that. 
but we all understand that you're one play away from potential disaster in, in really in any sport. But we understand this, particularly in the playoffs, the room for error is so small. You can't afford to have these injuries. And the one thing I've always said with Toronto, and this is why we feel like it was a missed opportunity for the Bucks going back a couple of years ago. I, I don't. If I was a Raptors fan, I could not care less that they won the title with a diminished Warriors team. What, why would I care about that? Like that, that is just not, it doesn't matter. You've got the title, and like Brendan points out, people quickly forget about it. And Toronto, the last few seasons, has got this respect as championship grit, a championship team full of experience, full of veterans. It's like, yeah, well, they beat a Warriors team that probably four or five teams in the playoffs would have beaten in a seven-game series, given the circumstances, with Clay, Durant, everything that went down. So, yeah, I mean, people forget about that. So, no, I, I it, it sucks. I think ultimately, if we had a, a perfect chance in, in a perfect world to make a decision, we would all say, yeah, I would love to roll through all these teams at full strength. But at the same time, you have to take advantage of what's presented in front of you. No one wants to see injuries, but the Bucks right now have a golden opportunity. Yeah, I I, uh, I think it was Tom Haberstro too, that pointed out, um, I don't remember what the length was, but a pretty lengthy list that it's, and as our uh, commenter just pointed out as well, that it's every year that there's multiple teams that deal with this in the postseason. And it's not just, hey, the Lakers went through the heat with with two pretty big injuries in the finals last year that it's been year after year. And um, it's interesting, too, that especially in this playoffs right now, Phoenix is the only team that's not really dealing with anything. The Bucks, obviously, we've seen Dante has been a big blow and obviously the biggest of, of, of Harden and Irving. But Danny Green's going to be out until who knows how long. DeAndre Hunter just went down for the Atlanta Hawks. Mike Conley um, hasn't played yet in that series. And Serge Ibaka is a pretty big miss for the Clippers, too. So it's it's piled up. And if we go back before Anthony Davis and LeBron. So it started to pile up in this playoffs. But I'm with you. And we talked about this on our postgame show afterwards, too. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I, I realize that. But we know that's going to be the discussion if the Bucks do reach that level. And I don't care that, you know, I think Bucks fans will have the same opinion too. You can call it a tainted championship or say <laughs> it doesn't mean as much, but to all of us in Wisconsin, we don't care. And it does mean that much because, you know, Bucks fans suffered through that 15 win season and have seen year after year of falling short and thinking back to 2001 and some of the other teams that just couldn't get over the hump that, you know, Brian Windhorst always says winning championships mean you don't have to apologize. And I think that definitely applies to this as well. If that is what happens, we're not apologizing for having to go through a team that wasn't full strength because it happens every year and you just don't know when you get that chance again. So uh, it doesn't taint anything in my eyes. And I know you're the same. And I'm, again, assuming all Bucks fans would feel the same way. I'll tell you, the one thing that hasn't been lost on me is it does confuse what seemed to be trending towards a pretty obvious decision in regards to the head coach. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, this is going to complicate that. We don't know if the Bucks go through, I should say, first of all. Um, but if the Bucks make the conference finals, do you disregard that series win in terms of a coaching perspective? I guess it depends what happens in the conference finals. But it's really interesting because going back to the comment we had in the chat earlier from Carson, he asked whether Bud should get some credit, you know, for defensively the way the team is playing. And it's kind of interesting because I'm looking at the way the team is playing defense. There really isn't a lot of switching out there. 
it's basically been a lot of the base defense and they've trusted it to work. Yeah. And I think it's been some individual brilliance. So I, I don't know. <laughs> the question is, I don't know if I would be giving Bud too much credit for the defense, but he is the coach of the team. So I guess, I guess you have to give him some credit for that. I thought they ran more offense in game four, which was nice to see as well. But it, it's just a, it's a really, really interesting situation they potentially might find themselves in uh, based on these injuries, which, again, we just talk about taking advantage of it. But who knows what it means? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've seen some subtle changes. It's been nothing major where they yeah. just weren't switching at all in those first two games. They've done a little more of it, but they've been, been more judicious of, okay, when it's on the perimeter with these two guys, then we'll switch back and forth, but otherwise we're sticking. Uh, I mean, look, and, and the other part, too, is I've already – and we've seen the same group of, of people that say, well – now they're going to get out of the, this round against the Nets and maybe they're going to go deep and that just ruins everything and complicates that situation that you <laughs> described. And I, I kind of have the same feeling on that, on what I did with, is this a tainted championship of, you know, if that's what ultimately you're moving towards, but you win a championship this season and it means you don't make that decision, I don't care because <laughs> – you got the championship, and for how hard that is for any team in any sport to win a championship, regardless of what the path was that took you there, to me, that's inconsequential, and it doesn't matter. And, and not only being able to say we won the championship in our sport, but think about the value that that's going to bring to everything around the franchise with uh, the businesses that are around there and just the financial boom that you are going to experience if that happens to me, it's yeah. If that's, if that means that we don't make any type of move here, so be it that, you know, the championship, I can't, I don't think you could say it complicates things and use that with championship in the same sentence. So I, I guess I'm probably going to be in the minority, but I have a different viewpoint on that of, yeah, it's uh, if that's if it means you extend Coach Budenholzer now, and you're somebody that didn't want him here, but you have to do it because you won a championship. I frankly don't care because you got the championship, and that offsets a lot of things. Yeah, well, there's there's a long road before that, so I mean, I think it's it's obviously a no brainer if you win a title, but that's still a long, long way away. Uh, it feels <laughs> like a long, long way away. That's for damn it sure. It is. Still, I like, mean, it's it's still ten games away, so. Yeah, we're still only in the second round here, which it feels kind of hard to believe. It feels like this playoff run has already been going for a long time. Hopefully we've got a lot longer as well. Just one last note in regards to Drew Holiday, and you were talking about money and that sort of stuff, which reminded me to bring this up. So Frank tweeted this out, our fearless leader, with Drew Holiday picking up the first team all defense. Uh, he gets a 100K bonus for that. He can earn another 200K if the Bucks make the finals and $1 million if the Bucks win the title, yeah. Yeah. which if the Bucks win the title, uh, that would push the Bucks into the luxury tax there, um, which is just, you know, again, who cares? Like if you win the title, obviously no one's going to care about that, but it's just some, some dollar stuff there for people that are interested in uh, that side of things there. And I, I said the title of this podcast was A Week is a Long Time in Basketball, and just the attitude and, and just sort of thinking now about the way we've sort of approached this, um, it's not even, I mean, we've all watched the Bucks for long enough to say that it's not even blind confidence in this team. I don't think that's it. I don't know. I'm not necessarily sitting here confident that they're going to win this series because I've watched the Bucks for too long, but it's more understanding the opportunity that's in front of them. And it starts with game five without Kyrie Irving and without James Harden. 
I don't care whether it's on the road. You've got to take this one and then come home and wrap it up. Yeah, it's a, it's not a knock on, on the team. It's more of what you you just kind of expressed as well. I will feel confident that the Bucks are going to get out of the series when it's uh, – when number one, I'm with you. They have to win tomorrow night. You have to take game five. But I'll feel confident once it's – assuming that happens, it's game six and you're up double digits with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's when the confidence will start to set in. So – um, yeah, the, the point that you made at the top too, it, it's interesting because, um, I think again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if the Bucks were to win the championship, I think Drew Holiday would hit all of the incentives in those unreachable incentives that we assumed there was when they made the deal. And, you know, that, that puts you in the repeater tax a year earlier than you assume. So it probably, shortens the window in terms of some of the decision making that you would have with this team going forward by just a year but it's same with the coach discussion of well if that's what happens so be it because we got a championship well it would be funny if they went into the tax you'd have to ask yourself why don't you just keep Tory Craig but anyway I'm not going to get people fired up with that one there a good way to wrap it up Biento in the chat, who is basically the hype man for every live locker room we do, he said he's calling two straight blowouts in the next two games, and I assume he means two straight blowout wins for the Bucks, which seems like a good way to finish it. But if you're not done listening to all the sports news you need, you can get it in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Justin, uh, this was a fun one, and I'm glad that we got to do this and the season is still alive because we weren't sure whether that was going to be the case down 2-0. Now we've at least got two more games of basketball here, probably another live locker room pod when the season is still rolling here, and it's, uh, it's always good to catch up with you and just make sure you stay safe when you get back into Pfizer Forum, okay? Um, yeah, that's, that's a good point of, uh, of number one, the safety, but also, boy, it certainly felt like there was a chance that the series could have been done yesterday, just a, a couple of days ago. Um, so it is, it is just, it's been one of those years where it seems like everything shifts within a couple of weeks. And, and we've certainly seen that in this series, the two blowouts too, that uh, Beto talked about, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule out a blowout in game six if the Bucks take care of business in game five and then you sense, yeah, neither of these two guys are coming back and, and Brooklyn knows it's going to be a pretty big uphill battle. Because to me, I don't want to get into the speculation, but the way Brooklyn's body language was and the way they just reacted after Kyrie went down in uh, game four, it, it just kind of seemed like a team that knew boy, uh, these are two guys that we might not see again this series. And now we went from thinking we're the championship favorites here to holy cow, are we all of a sudden not going to get out of this matchup? Well, 7.30 p.m. I'll be at home. I'll be on the couch. I'll be ready to go 10.30 a.m. for me, so not too bad at all. And we'll see what the Bucs can do. I should point out as well that uh, so the Deer District is open and they're still doing watch parties for road games. As well, there is no limit on the fans that can be there outside the arena. It's going to be a huge game, so we're going to need all the fan support we can have there tomorrow night. And if it entices people anymore, uh, I will be joined with Jim Paschke once again to do a little bit of a pep rally before game five. So 
Um, head out to the Deer District. You can watch the game outside the arena, and it should be a lively environment. If I could make it in time, I would do it. But unfortunately, uh, I cannot. So uh, I, I will I will watch from afar. But I have been very jealous seeing all the people out there having fun, particularly yesterday. It seemed like a, a, those afternoon games, man, when the sun, the sun's out, people really go wild. It looked like a lot of fun out there. But we're going to wrap it up. It's always fun to do these locker room pods. I always tell you guys, if you haven't downloaded the app, make sure you download the locker room app and you can join in with us next time we do this. We're doing one of these per week. So, uh, yeah, jump in. Have fun. The chat's been full tonight. People have been jumping in, throwing in little comments. It's been good to see. It looked like only one uh, Brooklyn troll tried to to jump in there, but uh, he didn't hang around for long, which uh, didn't surprise anyone. Uh, But we'll wrap it up for Justin and myself. Thank you to everyone for joining us. We'll see you guys tomorrow after Game 5.